Comments made on the Serotalk Podcast Network are those of the individuals and do not represent Serotech Corporation, its staff, management, board of directors, or third-party resellers. It's time for High Contrast. This is the show where we talk about everything from visually impaired perspectives. This is the show that focuses on those that are sort of trapped between the light and dark, as one of our listeners pointed out in some feedback. I am Rodney Edgar of TechAccessWeekly.com, and I am joined, as usual, by Mari Hill of AI Squared's Zoomed In blog. Hi, Rodney. How are you today? Doing well, and you are sounding great, and I believe we missed you last time because of technical difficulties. Yes, I won't mention the cause of the technical difficulties, but yes, they have now been overridden, I should say. Very good. And our third chair is going to be the same as last time, but this time the multi-talented Joe Steinkamp is going to play the role of Jeremy Curry, who played Maury Hill last week. Jeremy wasn't the technical difficulty, was he? Because he's not here this week. No, no. Sorry. Okay, Okay, cool. No, No, I didn't think so. Um, Yes, Jeremy is unable to make it with us. Here in the podcast today, but of course you can follow him on Twitter and of course follow all the goings on over at gwmicro.com to keep up with Jeremy. And of course you can leave feedback and drop messages here at resources at serotalk.com and we'll have him back shortly. Very good. Or at least we hope to. You might just do such a great job we kick him off and keep you. Never. <laughs> nope, never. No, never. Uh-huh. Send all of your requests. There, there is such a thing as a Serotalk drinking game. I, I won't really go into the rules about it here, but they do involve several hosts appearing on several podcasts and random <laughs> intervals at listening. But one day we'll publish that. It was actually um, Jeff Bishop and a couple others instigated it. And so, um, yeah, one day we may have to publish the rules of that game. Now, speaking of things that you can do with family, just like drinking games, we just wrapped up the holidays. <laughs> And everyone has seemed to survive. And we thought it would be good to sort of give the successes and failures that we've encountered over years of experience of dealing with visual impairments and holidays and shiny things that just seem to freak you out and make you run into them, like Joe Steinkamp and a Christmas tree. But that story later. (laughs) Uh, First... I was going to tell about socks and underwear. You didn't have to go there, oh. but I mean, you know, whatever. Okay. <laughs> we'll get back on topic so this doesn't turn into an EOL after dark. Uh, <laughs> 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 so one of the big things that we have to do when we have the wonderful family, the in-laws, the aunts, the uncles coming into town is we usually have to go shopping and buy things in order to make elaborate meals, which Mari is probably the most wonderful cook possible because Derek, our audio, perf- <laughs> our audio engineer says it is. Uh-huh. So how is shopping and groceries and things for you, Mari? Well, Rodney, I find that when I'm shopping for the holidays, it's not like regular grocery shopping where you just kind of roam around and pick up random, <laughs> random things. When you're shopping for a Christmas meal or Thanksgiving meal, you're going in looking for specific things like gravy and stuffing and cranberries and things they only have once a year. So 
where the heck do they put it in the grocery store? Well, uh, a couple weeks ago, I went in, I was trying out a new recipe. And by the way, I'm a horrible cook, so don't come to my house for dinner. And Derek, you lied to me. (laughs) (laughs) And I was making engine two sweet potato lasagna, and I had to get tofu, which I've probably never bought in my life. So I go in the grocery store looking for tofu. Like, where do they put that? I have no idea. And I was all over the store, and I was getting really frustrated looking for someone to help me and waiting at the customer service desk. And finally someone came and showed me right to the tofu. But for us, I think grocery shopping for something in particular is kind of like finding a needle in the haystack because you can't see the detail of the text on the boxes, so you're just kind of like at a loss. And I ran into a friend while I was on a local bus a while back who's totally blind, and he had just gone grocery shopping. And what he does is he goes right to the customer service desk and says, Hi, I'm back again. And someone walks them around the whole store and helps them do grocery shopping. And I think it's kind of obvious for someone blind that probably needs help grocery shopping or perhaps, but for those of us who are visually impaired, it didn't even occur to me that that was even a service that a grocery store could provide. So I thought that was interesting. Especially some of your boutique ones like um, Whole Paycheck, I mean uh, Whole Foods <laughs> or other places like uh, that can have those kind of services. You might have right. to call ahead or you might have to actually work with the store to establish that service if they have someone who is able to get away and do that kind of thing. Not as easy to do at, say, a Walmart or a Super Target or something like that. You might have some better luck at a lower chain store or a family grocery store that might be a little bit more open to the idea. There are websites in major cities where you can actually use certain services to go and pick up things for you. Have you ever used anything like oh, Peapod or ordered groceries on Amazon? I ordered groceries through Peapod once over 10 years ago. I just wanted to try it. As I felt that I needed to quit driving at that time, I was experimenting. Okay, like the first thing is I can't drive. How do I eat? How am I going to get groceries? So I did order from Peapod once and they delivered. I lived way up in the mountains at the time in Jeffersonville, Vermont, and UPS or FedEx drove right up my extremely steep snowy driveway. So I was kind of relieved that, okay, just because I can't drive doesn't mean I'm going to starve to death. (laughs) Or live on pizza. (laughs) Right. Domino's. Absolutely. Let's see. We've done Papa John's, Domino's, and Pizza Hut. We're running low on places to go. Uh, Pull out the phone book. Let's see what neighborhood places. Uh, There are places like uh, Fresh Direct, if you're in a major city, that will ship you things that are really fresh, hence the name, but they actually make their own stuff and deliver it same day and uh, really have a neat service going on with that. Really? But again, it's only in certain cities and right. it's really interesting, mostly New York and some parts of California, but they have amazing, amazing selections for things like that. 
Um, you can always do things like Omaha Steaks and places like that to send really good food down through dry iced boxes, which are pretty cool. Some of that stuff can become expensive unless you buy in bulk. I used to enjoy going to the grocery store until my glaucoma kind of along with some other eye conditions because I have so many. It kind of got to the point where it just looked like one big kaleidoscope of color when I would walk down the grocery aisle. Unless it was something like large boxes like um, cereal aisle or something like that. Yet, for some reason, my wife says I can still find a bag of Oreos when I need to find a bag of Oreos <laughs> or chips away. Um, some things are just mentally recognized by the brain that fills in all the blue bag. I'm looking for the blue bag. I'm looking for the blue bag. there. With the little red thing up in the corner, the Nabisco logo. Wait, there's white well, on also, That's got to be it's it. It's going to be easier. There are fewer things now with Hostess going away. <laughs> Well, yeah, and with all the different choices we have now, like 50,000 different flavors of Doritos, you know, to go in and find something specific is getting harder and harder. Or crackers. Maybe you just want the plain ones. You don't want sea salt and olive oil or garlic and parmesan. You're just looking for club crackers. Where are the club crackers? Right, right. And sometimes that can be very daunting, especially if they've decided that those are a sale item and they're on the end cap. And you never thought about looking for them on the corner. You thought they would be in the row with the rest of the stuff. Nope, sold out there. They're all sitting on the end cap. So there are things like that that can get you. Um, Produce, learning how to choose good produce. Expiration dates. That's Mm. one that you always want to double check with milk and stuff like that. I've even asked the cashier, can you please read that before I purchase it? Mm -hmm. And we'll hold everybody up in line while I go and get something or have them go back and get something that's a little more, I don't know, not going to get sour by the time I get it home. (laughs) Those are things that you have to think about a little bit when planning some of this out. And if you don't have a relative or if you don't have a good friend or even a bad friend that you can torture... To go with you to the store, it can be one of those things, like you were saying, Maury, that you have to kind of sort of go, okay, how do I strategize? How do I plan this? Then it's even worse because if you want to follow a specific recipe, you have to use back in the old day a tape recorder or something like that and you know have something written out in huge 50-point font or copy the recipe in a larger font, which can be very you know crazy to try and do in the store. And I don't know about you guys, but I cannot stand the stores that are using, and I know it's very green, the skylights to kind of add additional light to their existing lights within the store. And part of that is, I call it <laughs> I call it the dirty store. When you walk into the store and it's not a white tile or cement floor, it's one of those brown, reddish, oddish, taupe-looking store floors. When you get a massive cloudy day, you'll find that the light will drop dramatically within the store. And there are times where I thought it was me at first. I'd have to look up the ceiling or ask my wife if we're in a store with sunroofs or sun tiles. Because you would sit there and see something and say, okay, I just saw that a minute ago. Why can't I see it really well? Oh, it's darker in here. There's a giant cloud overhead. So you have to think about that. And some people respond very badly to fluorescence. Some people don't respond well to spotlights. Remember, there's kind of that track lighting effect in some parts of the store. So you have to think about that. There are certain stores that you just will start to gravitate towards because you have a better lighting experience. 
and color wise too. What you want to do though is learn the location of objects as best you can within a store and take your magnifier, uh, handheld if you have it, electronic if you don't. Because one of the things that I do to avoid issues uh, that may happen is, is I will display a cane. So that way, if I pick up a box and start sniffing it to figure out what it is, I don't have passersby or mainly store personnel wondering what I'm doing. Because if I don't purchase that, now I've rubbed my nose all over this box. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so if you don't have a good reason for that, you might find yourself in a very precarious situation with the authorities of the store. And that's even doubly so when you're working with something like trying to figure out what's in the cases at the deli counter or how do you figure out what is the shrimp salad versus the chicken salad. And you could make a wrong thing by saying, you know, I want that and point to something completely different and not realize it till you get home and open the box. Right. I remember a few years ago watching someone with their nose to a box in a grocery store. It was an older woman. And I went up to her and I said, do you have macular degeneration? <laughs> she was like, yeah. <laughs> How did you know that? It was funny. And yeah, luckily, luckily for me, I've, I've had uh, my parents help out with going shopping. And most of the time I just do like the big box store because I can fill up on groceries for three weeks or so, as we call it, the bulk plan, (laughs) you know, and I can go to a box store and I can kind of figure out, you know, like a Sam's club or something. I can kind of, if I go to the same store all the time, I can figure out where things are unless they go through the, well, you know, the marketing guy says that this needs to be beside the paper towels. It has nothing to do with that. It's Valentine's day. We had to move all of that and put flowers right here. Exactly. Exactly. That kind of thing. You know, but if I go with say my wife's parents, they sort of, I mean, I've walked into the grocery store with them before and they'll just start to go off in another direction. I'm like, uh, wait a minute. I do have vision, but it ain't that great. We'll be here for two or three hours if I start looking for things. You know, they're used to helping her right. because she's totally blind. But me, it's kind of like, oh, well, he can see what he's doing. Mm, okay. Interesting. Okay. So it kind of leaves you that yeah. little awkward, um, where are you yeah. going? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You just need to pick up two things. In the third grade, I had a teacher who could not understand why I could see the giant 30-foot orangish yellow school bus on a bright summer day leaving to go pick up children, but yet I couldn't see her little hen-scratched bad two-piece chalk from 1950 on a grayish chalkboard that was made uh, from cave walls in a dark, (laughs) dimly area. Her thought was, if you could see an object, then you should be able to see this that I'm doing here, because in her mind, it was the same thing regardless. You know, she never thought of the concept of lighting or contrast or gray scale or anything like that for her it just equated to if you see x you should be able to see y and that can happen sometimes with my relatives where you know moving into the concept of past the potatoes you know i've got one eye so there are depth perception issues there and i'm very cagey about where i'll sit or 
where things are on plates and stuff like that. And my wife loves buffets. She's one of those sighted individuals that can't make up her mind by reading a menu. Text doesn't do it for her. She has to look at the great big buffet. And then as she sees the food, she makes the decision if she wants to eat said food. And she worked in food service when she was in high school. So I kind of get where this fetish thing is. But early on in our relationship, eons ago when dinosaurs roamed the earth, the agreement that we had was is if she wanted a buffet, then she was going to do the buffet because I wasn't going to go up there, fight people at the sneeze guard and <laughs> try and make that depth perception issue of, did I put it right? Did I put the spoon in the blue cheese rather than the ranch? Okay. Uh, you know, right. so we agreed on that a long time ago, but not everybody is lucky in that. If you're, especially if in a work situation, they all go, let's go to Luby's or something like that. Or the classic, uh, where's the spoon? I know there's a spoon on that bowl, but I'm not quite sure. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I tell people at work, they're like, hey, we're going to go to the China Buffet. I said, okay, see ya. Go ahead. Hey, we're going to go to the Golden Corral. Bring me back a to-go Kung Pao chicken. (laughs) Here's a 10. I'll guard the phones. My problem with buffets has always been the fact that even though they look really clean and everything, you'll see the kid reach in to grab the fried chicken with his oh, hand, you know, yeah. or or those yeah. little uh, lemon juicer things that you can squirt in your drink or whatever. <laughs> I've seen kids suck off of those, you know, so it's kind of like, eh, I don't like that aspect. I'd rather them do it in the back where I can't see it. <laughs> Never, ever, ever do a buffet in Vegas then. All of those and more. Circus, circus, morning buffet. Yeah, that's it in a nutshell. You know, even if you decide to do something that is not a buffet, maybe it's more upscale. You still have the issue of lighting in a dimly lit restaurant with a family, or you have, say, it's like Olive Garden for a certain time was having this really crazy font on their menus. So I didn't have the luxury what we have now where I can look it up on the web. You know, oh, we're going to go eat at blah, blah, blah. Oh, cool. I'm going to hit the web real quick and see if there's a menu or a special In the past, I've used video magnifiers or lighted magnifiers to try and read, or I just generally got really good at four or five dishes I would always want to eat, so therefore I would gauge the restaurant by that. And if they did that dish really well, then I'd be happy with it. But I limited it myself because I was worried about the social awkwardness of things. So I ate a lot of Kung Pao chicken at Chinese food restaurants because that was normally my kind of base food item to test whether I wanted to eat at that restaurant again or not. But also I did it because I didn't want to have to go through 55 different kinds of different food on that menu or have to maybe hit a language barrier in asking questions to the server. Yep. I did the same thing. It's funny how that works. And and it relates to homes too. If you have a relative, like I had an aunt who just had tchotchkes everywhere. I mean, there was not a place on a flat surface. She had not put one piece of knickknackery crapola from some, you know, cracker barrel from days gone by. And I was definitely afraid to go to this person's house because if there was light or no light or absence of light, or if she golly moved something or replanned her house, you know, I was in absolute fear that I was going to break something of priceless value. Or at least um, priceless to her because I really didn't see the value in some of the salt shakers. (laughs) Anyway, you stand there at the front door praying that you have a linebacker of a family member to go behind to kind of guide you or lead the way and hope they're not a hoarder so it's not everywhere where you're going to put your feet. 
and things get moved around during the holidays. All those knick-knacky things and more get added, and so you've got more danger everywhere. When trying to navigate that kind of thing, I always immediately think of the movie Twister when they're running from the tornado and they run into this barn and it's like all these sharp implements for farming and they're like, who are these people? Because you couldn't move without getting stabbed by something in a wind gust or That just something. made me think of relatives and, and yelling out, cow. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. That's just Aunt Gertie. Sorry. Cow. <laughs> Another cow. The one I would get is my mother has all of these reflective objects, you know, ornaments or things like that. And with the sun going down in the winter at different places, what would be normally not a reflection point in the summer rapidly becomes one in the winter. And if you don't go to that relative's house very often, that's when you'll just innocently go, okay, I'm going to go get another dinner roll and start walking to the kitchen and get that sheen right off of the light hitting a reflective object. And I'm bad with light to dark, rapid changes. And I'll literally stand there for a second while I'm trying to adjust. Well, I'll have a relative going, are you okay? Yeah, I, I will be in a minute. Just <laughs> hang on a second. <laughs> the curtain is lifting. Hold on a moment. <laughs> and that's really what can happen. It's even worse if you have issues with dark brown. And, you know, there are a lot of earth tones in this person's home. And there's a lamp at eye level. So you step down into the sunken living room and they go, oh, you can sit anywhere. And you're like, yeah, as soon as I can figure out where anything is to sit upon, I'll do so. But for me, because of my glaucoma, if it's a darkened area, my eye will go like a moth to the flame to that lamp on that lamp table at, say, hip or chest height. And I will not see anything around it. It'll be almost like a halo. Or if it's really dark, I just won't see anything. And that's, again, where I'll rely on my cane a little bit in order not to turn around and sit on, you know, the TV tray and just to be careful. So knowing that, and because you can't control those environments, those are somebody else's homes and you just have to make the best of a bad situation where you have to make a decision on, is it sillier to go ahead and ask and get help from that relative or friend or is it better for them to have an Instagram moment or the video camera to post on YouTube because you sat on the card table. It's generally better to go ahead and ask so you don't make a social faux pas or give yourself the ability to be the Christmas party story told for the next 10 years. <laughs> yeah, I, I used to uh, always like wear a ball cap or something so that I could always tip the brim in order to sort of get rid of the light yeah. and things. Uh, I'll still do that if I'm walking out at night or something. I'll still do that to get rid of car lights and street lights and things like that. But yeah, the number one thing that I can't stand these days are the glass tables of everything because there is no depth <clears throat> perception <Yes>. of that. <laughs> My in-laws are like, well, you could get a nice glass uh, coffee table for it. And I'm like, uh, no. Nah. Don't think so. I, I need wood. I need something substantial that I can notice is actually there as opposed to, uh, I think I'm sitting it on something. Let's hope. Well, yay, I made it. <laughs> so many bruised shins from those in hotels over the years, I can't even begin to explain. And if there's nothing on them, like a centerpiece or something like that, that's even worse because then it's just a big open glass table where the legs are real thin and I didn't see it. You know, and 
My parents used to have this great way of knowing when I've broken curfew, they would just rearrange all the living room furniture because I'd memorized it before I'd walked out. They caught me once when I was actually walking in from a late night session of uh, going out to a rock concert and we had wooden floors while I had actually ninja style memorized where the creeks were. So they actually caught me in mid stride testing wood from one slot to another and, uh, that, that was a funny conversation, but they learned really quickly about how I adapted to the situation and repetitiveness. I was using my memorization skills in order to make up for things that I couldn't see. And of course I didn't really recognize I was using no vision and low vision techniques at that time. I just was trying to get out of being grounded. Now, seeing as how we now have all of the navigating people's houses and things, what if you have people coming to your house or trying to cook the big dinner or things like that. Have we run into things that actually help with the food preparation process? You know, once you've actually uh, found out that, hey, my neighbor next door, she realized that I have a handicap tag and it's Christmas and I'm going to the store. Hot diggity. Uh, (laughs) Are there tools that people are using that actually give you assistance in the kitchen, like uh, meat thermometers and things? I know we have a digital meat thermometer that we had gotten at Williams and Sonoma, like probably a decade ago, seems like, uh, that actually works pretty well. Uh, they also have Braille ones, which my wife uses all the time. So things for the kitchen. Any ideas? I gave up on the large print, what have you, or speaking thermometers. It seems like all that sort of stuff breaks so quickly. I just get the turkey with the (laughs) pop-up and make my husband check the temperature. And as far as recipe reading, I use a different technique practically every time. I know my sister, who also has the same vision as I do, she will read a recipe under her CCTV to her Victor Reader as an audio note and then play it back. I will sometimes use a handheld CCTV, sometimes run back in my office and use my big desktop CCTV, or sometimes I'll say, oh, I could just look this up on the internet, and I'll have it on my iPhone and just flick through the recipe and let it read it to me one ingredient at a time. And that seems to work pretty well, too. I am uh, similar in that fashion that I've used the book since and written things out with twenty twenty pen with bold line paper in the past. I've done a lot of that, but I, too, have relied more and more on electronic stuff because there are so many great recipe apps out there from, you know, Food Network or Big Oven or others that will read with voiceover or to some extent with TalkBack and Android So uh, at that point, I'm just using what everybody else uses, and so I don't feel as bad anymore. I don't feel like I'm taking extra steps to get the same thing accomplished. The question uh, is that a lot of people who are uh, baby boomers or aging population need this assistance as well. So it's not like you're buying as much anymore of a specialty item, which is kind of neat. So if you go to... I don't know, a Corningware store or a KitchenAid store, there are 
large illuminated dials more now than there were before. It's not as super stylish or ultra stylish. I mean, those things still exist, but there are more functional tactile feelings and buttons because they have found that other people who are in denial about their vision loss (laughs) uh, also needed these things. The thing that you might not think about when you go to buy, say, a stove, one of the things that can really kind of drive you crazy is the burner list stoves. It's just that big, flat sheet of nothing. Oh, yeah. And so trying to figure out where to put your pot can be a little different. And some people don't choose ones with high contrast, so they just choose the one that has gray on top of black. So it looks really neat, and it looks futuristic, yeah. And um, use your hand to figure out where the heat is because you may not have it completely on the burner. And I still kind of sort of go back to the old style and I know it doesn't cook evenly and all that other jazz, but I want to be able not to burn myself and I want to put something down on something and know that it's where it needs to be. And I agree with you, Maury. I've got a talking microwave, the old Hamilton Beach one. Got it at a clearance aisle at Walmart for $40. Was so thrilled. Um, And it's done really, really well, but it does have a tendency to just wear out. And if you've relied on that specialty device so much, What do you do when you do have to then transition back to more of a mainstream situation? So it might be much more of a shock to you to go from something that was ultra helpful to whoopsie. Now you've got to go back to using what everybody else has got to use. And then, of course, there are still places like independentlivingaids.com, ILA, and other places. So if you do want the talking devices or you do want the large print objects, there are those available online if you want to experiment with that. Yeah, I'm always kind of... Keeping my eye out on appliances, all mine are very old. And I was looking a few years ago when my daughter was younger, and so I had to have that into consideration, you know. Even though it's easier for me, do I want the controls, you know, right in the front instead of in the back, you know, where my daughter can access them. And now that she's older, she's nine, I'm kind of keeping my eye out again. You know, that would be kind of nice not have to hang over the hot burners in order to figure out where to set the oven temperature. And you can actually pay more for that, right? If you respond better to white colors, then you've got a really good option because a lot of stuff comes very cheaply in white. If you want to do your kitchen in all black appliances, that can be a 200 to 400 to a thousand dollar premium. Yeah. And you may be doing it just to be able to have better visual acuity on a device. My wife and I spent a long time choosing our washer and dryer. And I had read some AFB articles about Whirlpool and what they had done. And I ended up choosing those because they had very large displays and easy to feel tactile markings. And I was able to memorize our washer and dryer fairly well, which is, you know, really helpful rather than, okay, I love this Vosh but I have no idea or setting that that thing is on. No clue. I'm going to have to get out some bump dots and mark this thing. That's at 12. Hot is at six, you know, on and on and on. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that's the other thing. The bump dots is not a bad option, <laughs> you know? Exactly. So pick the appliance that's going to work either as is or with your bump dots. Yeah, we've tried to do the Braille labels for the microwave and things, but 
with the surfaces being sort of rounded now, as far as some of the touch panels, they just slide right off and everything. So occasionally there will be a meat cooking in the microwave instead of defrosting. I haven't made that mistake. (laughs) The other half has done that, but uh, we will keep that out of this episode. (laughs) If you don't worry about the resale value of your devices, you can always etch it. You know, make a small mark or nick. Mm. Again, if that doesn't bother you, some people, they want to have pristine devices and not alter them. And I understand that. But for me, I've actually done that. I pulled out my pen knife and went X right here and slash right here and dash right here in order to take care of some things like that. Because as long as you don't have neuropathy from, say, uh, diabetic retinopathy or diabetes, that might work out for you. If you do have some issues with neuropathy, then marking in this fashion might not work out. So you might have to use color marking in order to kind of sort of help yourself out or tape, you know, don't forget the power of tape where you can actually use little bits of tape and put it on something to kind of remind you of where things are directly. Again, it might not be the most pretty thing out there, but you're shooting for functional over fashion. Yes, definitely. And Refrigerators. Joe, I heard you talking about OXO containers in your holiday podcast. I'm a big fan of those clear plastic OXO containers as well. And in thinking about a new refrigerator, I think of, well, I need to get one that has the clear plastic as opposed to the frosted or what have you. And maybe the kind that has the freezer at the bottom instead of the top. And regarding the age of my daughter, I didn't really want to have the freezer on the bottom. I felt like when she was a toddler, she'd open it up and fall in. <laughs> and, yeah. and now... I got the popsicles. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> now she's old enough where the fridge part on top, where it's more comfortable searching for things... I'm thinking might be more fun. That is such a personal decision kind of thing to go to Best Buy and see because do you want the lights in spots? Do you want them in bars? Do you want them in the front? Or do you want them in the rear pointing towards you? Mm. It is really crazy. I helped my mother recently with the purchase of a refrigerator. She didn't choose GE initially. She had chosen an LG and had some issues with it. So we changed and went to a GE. And for my father, the lighting was better. And I had to sit down and think about it. And it was because there was an individual lighting bar on either side by the doors. And then there was a light bar in the back. And... Everything else was transparent, like you were saying. And I was like, okay, now I see why dad's seeing this. Okay, it makes sense. Because the other one was a little dimmer and a little bit more closed off with not necessarily opaque drawers to be able to find some of that stuff. And that, again, also kicks into, do you want a ice maker that has tactile buttons or levers versus one that has the ability for you to watch Knight Rider on it while you're making ice because it's got an <laughs> LCD screen and it connects to the internet and it talks back and forth and it scans everything you ever do. And I mean, those are wonderful again, but those are not necessarily very low vision friendly right. um, or modifiable. And so you don't want to necessarily be reliant upon your relatives or your spouse or the guy just walking in the street from UPS 
to be able to tell you whether that is set to, you know, crushed or cubed. Well, mm-hmm. and that's like when we shopped for a refrigerator, we were looking at the ones that actually had the ice maker in the door, but then it was kind of one of those things of, you know, if we get the old timey ice maker that's in the freezer, it's in the bottom feed, then we can just get ice that way. And then that gives us the actual door to actually be able to put certain foods and sort of segregate what there so that it's a little bit more organized so that you don't have to sort of hunt for the specific bottle of dressing or something that you're looking for. It gives you a little bit more flexibility. And two, I will say that there is a Samsung, or at least there was a Samsung refrigerator that had LED lights inside of it, and it was like a spaceship, which just Mm -hmm. looked bizarre. Uh, (laughs) Seeing things in that I don't think would be that great because it seemed like it was dim. You would think it would be a little brighter than that, but it seemed dim to me. Mm -hmm. Especially at three in the morning when you go in there to just get, you know, like a drink of water or milk or something like that. The lighting condition you might not think about because in the store, it's going to be hugely bright. It's going to have all these gigantic illumination things bearing down on it. And you don't always get the idea of what that's going to look like in your home. So you want to talk about return policies and how much it'll cost and restocking fees and stuff like that, because you might find that that doesn't necessarily work out for you. And that goes buyer's remorse on just about anything, especially big ticket items that you're going to buy, television, cell phones, whatever. You really want to make sure that you're going to have the ability to get something that you want to really pay for at whatever interest rate you pay for. (laughs) in order to enjoy that rather than go, oh, I could have had a V8. I wish, you know, if I go to buy this again, I should probably do X, Y, and Z. And leave yourself room because that stuff changes. These technologies that we've talked about in the past on this show aren't just related to apps or phones or stuff like that. The technology within these refrigerators is massively changing and can be very much a no choice option for you when you get past a certain price range because it's just expected once when you pass this price point this is a standard feature and that might not necessarily be what you're looking for in an oven in a refrigerator in a washing machine or a vacuum cleaner those sound like it would be pretty easy because you just have a few controls and it only does one type of thing But even vacuum cleaners can have weird bag assemblies or the ability to kind of sort of put grooves together to put things into place when you're having to take it apart to clean it. Again, that sounds very innocent, but it can be something completely different. And that could actually happen when you get something from a relative. So if you got something from a relative that is kind of difficult for you to see or use, you may want to make sure that you have the gift receipt and be upfront about it with your relative. Don't say, I don't like it or I don't appreciate it or I wish you'd given me that Xbox. Uh, (laughs) Make sure that you explain because at that point you're educating others so they don't turn around and do it again because they'll forget and they'll turn around and give you the same device or the same issue later. And you just want to be able to say, well, I don't really see this area really well. And sometimes as low vision people, we don't tell others exactly what we see or how we see it for whatever reason, because we're embarrassed, because we're not in tune with ourselves, or maybe we just don't want to be that personal with that individual. But sometimes if you don't allow that person to know that you have trouble with green on blue, or you have trouble when going from light to dark coming out of the movies, they won't know. And chances are they will learn a lot about you 
to be able to have a much better conversation with you if they know these things. Right. And I think also before going to a store to pick out a major item, write a list of must-haves, like the LCD display must be this big, (laughs) or the knobs must be like this. And really, or font adjustment. I mean, on that I know when I go to a store and I'm looking at stuff, I forget all that stuff, and I pick out something and I end up regretting buying it. And I hate returning stuff to stores, not because I think it's wrong. I don't have the time to go back. I don't want to deal with it anymore. I pick something out, I'm done. Even if it's wrong, I don't want to go back. So. I have to be really extra careful and make sure I don't lose that list that I carefully created on my way to the store, which I typically do. So in speaking of returns, what method of shopping does each person like? You know, because if you do physical shopping in a store, you might have to take something back or go through that hassle. If you do online shopping, you might have to end up taking things back to the UPS store or things like that. Are there directions that either of you prefer to go in as far as shopping me i'm absolutely amazon prime guy amazon prime bring it drop it hot diggity yeah i can understand that and i'm not at all and it's again it's the issue of boxing it back up and returning it it's just it's never gonna happen that box is just gonna sit there forever so (laughs) I shy away from ordering online because I don't want to deal with returning it if I don't like it. (laughs) I'm Mr. Retail Guy because I used to work in retail in the 90s, so I'm okay in that environment. I may do what's called showrooming, which is I may go see a device and put my hands on it and get the idea of the dimensions and the physicality of it and then go look it up online and see if there's a price match in the store because I don't want to wait for it. Nor do I, I live in a small town, so I don't always like my EBS guy. The um, <laughs> thing that I find, though, is that I can have a dialogue with a retail employee and kind of get an idea of what's happening. What is the return rate in the store on this device? Or if you're on commission, which one do you really, really, really want me to buy? Okay, I'll consider that, but probably not. Very well. Uh, you, can get, you can get a lot from that experience still, mm-hmm. and it, kind of the haggling. And you, true, you can do it through reviews and things like that. But I still tend to find myself saying, especially on something that's like a stereo system or a television or shoes or something like that, I just, I'm an old-fashioned guy and I kind of sort of want to get to know the product a little better because I can't judge it well enough on a two-dimensional screen at 4X. It just doesn't feel right to me. I'm the same way. I have to see it. I mean, you know how things look on the computer screen. (laughs) Yeah. It looks 10 times bigger than it actually is. Why is that? There's even an app now from Ikea that'll take a picture of your room and simulate what the furniture would look like in your room, mm-hmm. which I think is really cool. But that means Ikea is probably evaluating me and probably has a little app that says, you are not hip enough to own our stuff. Uh, there's probably <laughs> something involved with 
you know, what do you mean you're going to put that against that decor? Are you nuts? You know, it's <laughs> consider this paint and then get back to us. Yeah. I can take measurements all day long and I can do some of that when we were looking at a new entertainment center. But I still relied on my wife to make some of those decisions because I'm not just visually impaired, I'm style impaired. And so I'll let her take the lead on some of that because she will say, no, that really doesn't go with that. I was a big fan of granimals when I was a kid. I knew that, you know, purple dinosaur went with purple dinosaur and green giraffe went with green giraffe. That was much easier for me to kind of wrap my brain around. But I can see how there are some people who really prefer to shop online to avoid traveling to avoid going out and interacting with the public. Mm -hmm. Maybe they don't feel confident enough or maybe they don't have the ability to get that stuff to their house because they don't have a vehicle and maybe shipping is not free. So there are certain things still I probably say you want to go get in person like furniture or bedding or something like that. But, you know, I've used overstock a lot for media, DVD, some containers, some purchases, vacuum cleaners didn't bother me nearly as much. But, you know, some big ticket items, I, I just, I got to play with it. Yeah, me too. One thing like for furniture shopping that will get a little discouraging is a lot of times these days you go into a furniture shop and they say, okay, you need a sofa. Uh, let's go pull out the book. Okay. <laughs> um, oh, I know. Don't you have this like here? Oh, no, we've only got like two or three models, but we got more in the book. Okay. Okay. Can I get it online? No, uh, we, we just have in the book. Okay. So, I mean, <laughs> technically, you're still shopping online because they're going to go to their little dumb terminal <laughs> over there and order it. <laughs> right, right. You know, but it's, it's one of the benefits of um, living in the fourth largest city in the United States. There are so many superstores here that, you know, bring a lunch. You're going to be walking an acre through all these sofas, you know. <laughs> and so I. <laughs> I'm lucky in that respect that Houston's not so far away from where I live. But when I lived in places like Austin, I ran into that a lot because space is a premium. So, yeah, I agree with you in that situation. That can be a bit of an issue. But, you know, when I grew up, I also ordered stuff through the Sears catalog store. So that's, that's going way back. <clears throat> the big 500-page books that you would have and you would yeah. just leaf through it looking for all the Atari cartridges. Oh, wait, that was my story. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I I mostly just try and do the online shopping because I find that I really get irritated by crowds and people that have no concept of, okay, I'm standing here. You don't have to run over me with the uh, cart or buggy or whatever you want to call it. I trying to look at something, you know, so it's a different thing. I mean, I have purchased shoes from Zappos before, but I kind of knew, okay, I've tried this size on in this particular brand. I'm pretty safe with ordering that, you know, and that works out pretty good. But some items, you know, like computers and things, you can go and look and see what kind of keyboards laptops have and stuff like that. Uh, we just bought a Lenovo for Aaron and we never saw it. We just ordered it, took a chance on it, see what happens, and turned out it was okay. So anyway, sounds like we have covered the holidays and sort of planning for guests and trying to watch out for the shiny knickknacks that Grandma put out because she thought, oh, this little uh, nutcracker looks so cute. <laughs> I bet Joe won't run into that one. Think again, Grandma. That sharp, pointy. And I just repackaged your fruitcake and gave it to somebody else. 
Okay. There are only six in the United States. I, I don't know if you knew that. There, there are only six fruitcakes at any given time in the United States. Everybody just re-gifts them to somebody else that they don't like. Check out southernsupreme.com for all your fruitcake needs. <laughs> well, with all of the good stuff over with, we can now head into a short little break. And when we return, we will be hearing a wonderful review of Fruit Ninja for multiple mobile platforms by Joe Steinkamp. Another game, of course. What does he ever do over there? Anyway... Back in a few, and you're listening to High Contrast, episode number eight on SPN. People think saving money is hard, but really, it's easy. It's as simple as changing a few spending habits. For free tips on how to save the easy way, check out feedthepig.org. That's feedthepig.org. This message brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Hey, everyone. Joe Stonkin back on High Contrast to talk about an app for the... the Wait, not just the iPad. <gasps> I actually have this game on iPad on my Nexus 7, which is an Android device. My Xbox, I actually have this on my Windows 8 computer. <gasps> wow, Fruit Ninja by Halfbrick Studios. That's right, the guys who brought you Jetpack Joyride. One of their very first games showed the power of a touchscreen. In fact, this is one of the first apps I ever downloaded on my iPad. Now, Fruit Ninja is really a simple, simple, simple game. And that's what Hatbrick does really well. Simple game mechanics, but man, does it become uh, a lot of fun to master them. Fruit Ninja is places you as uh, the ninja who must uh, have a vendetta against fruits and vegetables. And you must use your sword to swipe all of them as they pop up on the screen. Now, your sword is your fingers, and swiping across the screen allows you to cut fruits in half. But be careful, you don't actually want to hit the bomb. The bomb will actually end your game or denote points from you in certain modes. What happens is, is that you have fruits that come up from the bottom of the screen, and they go towards the top of the screen for a brief period of time. And then they float back down to the bottom of the screen, as if someone had tossed it up in the air. So while up in the air, you got to use your fingers to swipe across. Now there's different power-ups, different ways to actually multiply, different ways to actually swipe things. And in fact, if you can knock three or four or five or six fruits of the same kind in a row, you get bonuses. The backgrounds are very easy to see. They're dark and the fruits have a tendency to show up extremely well. And that gives you an easier way to see things from a low vision point of view. If you have some issues with color blindness, you might have some problems with this game because we're dealing with lots of reds, greens, and yellows. So that might be a problem. You can change the backgrounds a little bit to try and minimize that. On the iPad, it's really easy to use. Uh, iPhone, it's really easy to use. The Nexus 7, it's really easy to use because those are touch screens. You just swipe your fingers back and forth and you can do it really, really fast. When you get to the Kinect for the Xbox 360, you have to move your arms around to swipe the stuff that's coming up on screen, and that's a bit of a workout. No, really, you look like you're trying to fly, trying to move your arms around so fast to be able to swipe the stuff up on the screen. And if you have a tendency not to see things from far away, you might not like the Kinect version unless it's on a very big, big screen. But it's something different, and it might be a way to fit in with everybody if someone gets an Xbox 360 this holiday season. And on Windows 8, you really do want to have a touch screen to be able to do that. So some of the new Dell touchscreens are HP laptops. So as the stuff comes up, you can mark up your screen with your fingers. Remember, don't eat chocolate before playing this game. 
The game is various prices, cheaper on the iOS devices because it's been around for a while. It does have in-app upgrades and things you can do there. There are different modes. So if you're worried about uh, not getting through the traditional mode, which is if you hit three bombs, you're out, or if you let three fruit drop, you're out. There is an arcade mode where you just like swipe at everything and make it do all sorts of nice noises and just oh, have a ball with it. And then there's Zen mode where you just do what you can to get your points and you're not going to die and you're not going to lose your game. You have a fixed amount of time in order to make the most points you can. The game is really, really simple and it's one of my all-time faves and it's available for so many platforms. So I know kind of I've been sticking to the iPad most of the episodes, but I wanted to be able to tell you about an app that's low vision friendly that's available on multiple platforms and multiple prices. So be sure to check the App Store for the price before you purchase it. There may be a trial mode. I know there is for the Xbox 360 version, but you definitely want to try that one before you buy it because you might not be willing to get the um, arm strength enough to be able to do that game uh, without passing out because there's a lot of swiping at air. And you look really silly doing it. You might show up on YouTube if a family member really doesn't like you at holiday time. Fruit Ninja from Half Brick Studios, one of my all-time favorites, multiple platforms for your high contrast. This is Joe Steinkamp. Well, it appears that we are running a few minutes long on this here episode, so we would like to thank all of the folks for their wonderful comments and emails and eye reports that they have submitted by iBlink or resources at saratalk.com. Thanks to Peter, Pam, David, and Ron for sending in comments, which will also be in the show notes when we do actually post this episode or as you are listening to this episode right now. So anyway... Thank you. And if you have any ideas for show topics that you would like to hear us discuss, maybe get a third person on, please drop us a note over at resources at saratalk.com and we'll try and get that scheduled in our coming year. Now, we can wrap up by saying thanks to Mari Hill of AI Squared for joining us as usual. Minus last week, where her appearance was played by Ranger Joe Steinkamp. No problem. Had a good time, as always. And you can find her on Twitter at Mari Elizabeth, and you can find her blog at AISquared.com slash blog. And as always, you can check out Jeremy Curry over at GW Micro. You can follow at Jeremy underscore Curry on Twitter. Hopefully he will return next time so that we can break up the appearances of Joe, who is Joe Steinkamp. Requires no other words than that. You can find him on Twitter at Ranger Station. And as always, I am Rodney Edgar of TechAccessWeekly.com, and you're listening to the Sarah Talk Podcast Network. You can visit SarahTalk.com for details. You can drop us emails, resources at SarahTalk.com. Be sure to check out the wonderful iBlink Radio on Android and iOS. No clue on Windows 7, 8, or anything like that for mobile phones, so don't ask. Anyway, you're listening to SPN, and we'll see you next time.